Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers at GoogleTanTalk1340.com, and you can see me live in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Well, maybe, maybe not, because we are recording from a secret, unknown, undisclosed location in a bunker someplace here in this wonderful country of ours, the United States of America. By the way, don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioAndCars.com, where you can listen to all our past shows. 600 and some odd shows waiting for you to just push the button and listen to some amazing interviews with some legendary and fascinating guests in the automotive and music world. And, good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing just fine tonight. Happy Tuesday. And yes, as always, we have a very special guest for you this evening. An alumni guest coming on. She is a lady journalist from up north in another undisclosed location. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Detroit Auto Show, the Detroit Concourse, and the Mustang Stampede. And the introduction of the 2024 Mustang, which they say is an absolutely amazing car. From what I am told, the exterior of the car has been revamped a little bit, restyled, looks a little better, a little bit more aggressive. And their new killer street model is called the Dark Horse. I am also told that the interior has been restyled and it's a little bit more tacky. And, uh, but that'll, uh... We're kind of moving in that direction. We'll see what that looks like as well. Sadly, I don't know how true this is, but it replaces the Mach 1, and allegedly there's not going to be a Mustang Shelby. Now, I don't know about that for sure, but oh well. But they offset it with a GT3 version IMSA legal Mustang race car. So... It should be real interesting to see what happens here. So as it's uh, just been introduced a few days ago, we'll keep you guys posted. So I can't wait to get my hands on one. So anyway, as usual, we're going to play some good music. And uh, so stick around. We're going to have a great show tonight, and you don't want to miss any part of it. On that note, Bobby, go ahead and uh, spin the turntable and drop the needle in the groove.
Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgia Beating Cars, and it's time to introduce our very, very special guest, alumni guest on our show this evening. She is a well-known automotive journalist reporter. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, the car coach herself, Lauren Fix. Lauren, how are you this evening? I am good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Okay, so we're just coming off. Now, I do want to talk about the new Mustang, but... Give yeah, us that a, was great. Give That's us part a, of the whole Detroit Auto Show. That was that was the best. Okay, so that was all the Detroit Auto Show was, to be honest. Really? Okay, so let's let's go into tell us a little bit about the give us a background on the Detroit Auto Show, how it worked out for everybody this year, and some of the highlights. Give us some of the highlights, and then we'll get to the uh, Mustang. All right, there are a lot of angry people, so I'll try to give you the highlights first. Angry, so Detroit ang- Auto Show, just a angry, angry people at the car show. Yeah, usually it's like happiness and seeing people I haven't seen in a long time, lots of hugs and handshakes and, hey, it's great to see you. So in this case, we had, didn't have it for three years because of COVID. Okay. And last year they tried to do something called, uh, uh, like a, it was done at M1 Concours, and it rained like crazy. Of course, you can't control the weather. It's what Mother Nature gives you. And so that was a mess. So they decided to go back to an indoor venue, and they're going to do it during the summer, which was their original plan. And so this is the first Detroit Auto Show since COVID. Now, mind you, there has been L.A., there has been New York, which were both quite muted. So we didn't have the highest of expectations. And no one would have come to this other than local people except for the fact that Ford brought a lot of people in to showcase the new Mustang, which was the smartest thing we could do because otherwise there would be literally nothing. So um, off-site, we, we came in. A lot of people didn't even go to the auto show. We were off-site to experimental uh, location that was on Ford's property. They showed us the new 24 Mustang. And the next morning, everybody went over to the auto show, not knowing that President Biden was showing up. So that put a big wrench in the plans because the first announcement was supposed to be the North American Car and Truck of the Year finalist, semi-finalist. And I'm a juror now. I'm no longer the president, but which I'm thankful for after this week. Um and I had fought very hard to get that on the main floor, which it always was. When you walked in, you go down the steps if you've been to Cobo Hall, which is now called something else. And huh. uh, we were right there on the main stage, which would have been the smartest thing they could have done based on what happened. But instead, as the movie goes, they put baby in the corner. Boy, did they put baby in the corner. Uh, they took the vehicle, they took the North American car and took the jury and put it a whole announcement in the farthest corner back in the corner where no one would hear it. But we didn't know all this. We all show up and get in line for security. Now, they're typically those a dog, a sniffer, whatever. But now that we know the president's there, they're going to be a little bit more amplified. So I get in line with a couple of the journalists I know, and I realize there is four super long lines that make any Starbucks envious. <laughs> you see the Starbucks and the lines like, seriously, you're waiting this long for a burnt cup of coffee? No, this is craziness. So 45 minutes later, I get to the front of the line. I've finished my coffee, thank goodness, so they probably would have taken it from me anyhow. Um, and there was TSA. Then you walked through a metal detector. Then you got wanded, and there were two 
Secret Service at each location. And so we had people going through camera gear and some people that had nothing, you know, whatever it was. You had a briefcase. Everything was checked. Checked like you were going into the White House. And I would expect that. The president's coming. We get it. But we weren't going to be allowed to be there anyhow. So we already kind of heard that through the grapevine where you're standing in line is a lot of chatter, shall we say. <laughs> um, so if, if the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards were where they were supposed to be, you would have heard the whole thing while standing in line for 45 minutes. Instead, there was crickets other than people talking. So that was something that I found extremely interesting. So as we uh, got through the security line, there was no one giving us directions. I mean, you've been to auto shows before. Most auto shows, hey, the next event is this way, or there was nothing. So you got, people were like falling all over each other going, where are we going? I don't know, where are we going? Um, but boy, they were, they were locked and loaded with, with security like you've never seen, which would be expected. Uh, getting into the hall, there was, the domestics, GM with Buick and Chevrolet, Ford with Lincoln. Uh, there was uh, Chrysler, which was basically Jeep. And then on top of that, um, it was a one import domestic, a one import automaker, Toyota. Now, Toyota originally thought, I talked to some upper level executives, originally they thought they were just going to bring a car there and maybe do a press conference, but they were told they didn't have time to do a press conference because the whole schedule shifted. But no one knew the schedule shifted except for those people in charge. They didn't email, they didn't print out copies, they didn't post it anywhere. Hey, by the way, the whole schedule shifted and boy, did it shift. Instead of starting at 8.45, it started at 8. They jammed everything into a two-hour window from a whole day, which was a disaster. Finally go through security, try to find this knock toy, which is North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards, and it was over. I missed the whole thing because I stood in line for the whole thing, couldn't hear a thing. And then we all ran over to Jeep, which was good, actually. They have a new Willis um, 4xE. They're going to, a bunch of 4xEs. They're going to do a lot of electric. And the last of the, they mentioned again, the last of the gasoline-powered cars, which I'm trying to buy one right now, um, because at twenty end of 23, they're going to go all electric which is interesting and very valuable for Ford Motor Company. And we'll talk about that in a second. <clears throat> so we're all on the floor. We uh, listen to the Jeep launch. We all scurry over to, to Chevrolet because that's the only one that was left before we had to get out of the hall. We were told 10.30. 10.30 in the morning is like the sweet spot to get all the journalists. But we were told we were going to have to leave. So Chevy showed us the ZR2 and then the announcement. Everyone get off the show floor. Everyone get off the show floor. They kept announcing it. Most of us, as most journalists are, we ignore it. <laughs> yep. We did. We just like, whatever, go away. I'm finishing my conversation with so-and-so, you know, the whole usual thing. So we finished our conversation, and they're still announcing it. But people weren't really moving. So they turned the volume up to its maximum, maximum 10, and started screaming through the announcement, leave the floor now. Everyone must leave the floor now. But I asked somebody, because they were trying to scurry us out the sides, I said, well, what do you need to stay? I was just kind of curious, because I know that some people will be chanting, let's go, Brandon, and I think they wanted us out of there, because <laughs> they knew where most auto journalists stood. Uh, no, they said, nope, only press, White House press can be here. So all, no matter who you were, no matter where you stood, no matter whether you liked them or not, out, everybody out. So we all tried to leave, and we couldn't get out of the building. Now they're screaming, if you don't leave the building you're going to get arrested. Now, I'm like, uh, I don't, that's not on my bucket list. You know? <laughs> so uh, we couldn't leave the hall. Every time we tried to exit the hall, there were guys with long guns there saying, 
go down this way go, or that way, go down this way or that way. And we're like, now I'm in a panic. I'm with my co-host who's ex-military. And he's like, this is berserk. He goes, they're, they're trying to filter us one way, but they're filtering us the wrong way. We finally get out into the hallway and they said, you have to leave the building. I'm like, what? You can't be in the building. So I said, well, what's the deal? He said, you got to be gone between 1030 and two. I'm like, 1030 to two, that's the whole day. Well, you can come back at two o'clock. We'll start letting people back in. So I went back to the hotel and got lunch and said, the heck with it. I had work to do. I was pretty perturbed to put it nicely. There was zero signage. It was handled just so poorly. And but once everyone left, nobody came back. So I do know some people that tried to go back. There was a two-hour wait to get in because they had rearranged the security line to make it even worse than it was. It was like four people, go, all, everyone in one line that split into four as you got up to the front. So it was completely inefficient because... Grandholm, Judge, and Whitmer <laughs> were still on the show floor, and so they needed Secret Service to be there. Biden was long gone. The funny thing is, is when Biden was there, he tried to, he got photo ops with Mary Barra and Bill Ford and Mark Royce, so they're all GM and Ford. But the guy from Toyota, who's the president, went over to try and get a photo op, and they wouldn't let him have a photo op in his booth because Toyota is a non-union house. They made him take a photo in the hallway with Jeep behind him. Interesting. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. I got like 30 seconds with him at max, but which was dumb because they build cars. Toyota builds cars here in the USA, as do other brands. So it was an absolute disaster, um, needless to say. Um, and then when once Biden got in the hall, first thing he went to, as you would expect, because he owns a Corvette, he went right to the Corvette, the Z06, good taste, right? goes right to this orange Z06 Corvette, gets in it. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful, da, da, da. And he starts it up, which we're not allowed to do. We would get booted from the hall, probably blacklisted. And, of course, he's revving the engine and said, man, I'd like to take this and get rid of my Secret Service and take this for a drive. Well, that's not really what he was there for. He was there for the electric vehicle. But instead, he, like us, like all of us, we love to hear an engine rev. An electric car is not the same thing. A manufactured sound is not the same thing. That Z06 sounded amazing. But needless to say, that is not what happened. So he drove the Lyric, which is like an $80,000 to $100,000 Cadillac, which is far from what an average person can afford. Remember, the average electric vehicle costs $66,000, and they're promoting this like they're $5. They're not. Uh, and so this is a massive issue. Uh, a lot of ma- a lot of the manufacturers were mad. They got shortchanged. People never came back. The suppliers that filled the rest of the hall, they were mad because nobody came back. And they had all these press announcements of which nobody came to. Lincoln had a press event, had like a like a come for coffee and snacks. Nobody was there. It was ridiculous because by two o'clock when they opened the show floor, everybody had to go through security again. And those, this is interesting. Those that stayed. They were told you could stay on the property, no place to go, but you had to be in the media center, and they were locking you in. They locked these people in the media center, and they fed them lunch but told them they couldn't go to the bathroom without one at a time, and then they, they had to recheck them coming back in. I'm like, oh, my God. It was a disaster. But the only thing that saved the day for the whole auto show was the smartest thing of all. The Ford, the Ford had brought people off-site. And then that night, after Biden was gone and the rest of the yo-yos were gone, we had the Mustang Stampede, where they brought a thousand Mustangs in from all years. 
They had tons of people, food trucks, big presentation with Bill Ford and uh, Jim Farley and and all of the all of the players that you would want to see, including drivers like Joey Hand. They had all kinds of people that drag raced, all kinds of things with Mustangs, and we got to see the 2024 Ford Mustang GT. We had already seen it, but what we didn't know, we saw the GT, we saw the performance, and we saw the base. What we didn't know, there was going to be a dark horse edition, and that was the S dark horse and the R dark horse, and the R is going to be a racing series for their Mustangs. The S is the performance version. And then we got to see five race cars, which everyone was very excited about because that is excellent. And um, so we got to see Ford's plan. So I'm disappointed there's no Shelby's, but maybe that will return in the future. But it was certainly Ford saved the day or it had been a complete and total waste of time for everybody. Well, it sounds like Brandon ruined it, ruined the uh, the the whole the whole thing. And that was was it anticipated? Was it anticipated, or it was like a last minute thing? It was last minute. I guess the Auto Dealers Association believes that this was a great thing. They were super excited to have the president there, which is fine. But unfortunately, what the real problem was is that they had to shut everything down in order to you know, get him to, you know, to be there. And, of course, we can't be there. We're not allowed to be there. So it, it was a disaster, to be honest with you. Everyone was pretty perturbed. Uh, still people venting about it after all this time. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that people need to realize is that when you bring anyone in of significance like that that requires that type of special security, Jay Leno doesn't do that. We've seen tons of... Donald Trump was at this show uh, when he was president. They, did, they had Secret Service, and they sweeped the hall, but they didn't kick us out, and that was a mistake. Um, obviously, he knew that we wouldn't be happy with him, um, but basically he spit in our eyes by being there and it destroyed the show. If the show was smart, they would have had him come in the next day where no one was there. There were no press announcements, and they could have had all the time they wanted with executives one-on-one, and their special media. But for us, it made a lot of people mad, and it certainly didn't do him any good. Well, let me ask you this. So typically, the new, the Detroit Auto Show, how many? what's the duration? Is it like two days, three days, or how does it work? It used to be two days, and now it's down to one day. So if it's oh. only one day, why would you take a chunk out of the middle of the day from 10.30 to 2 and say, you can't be here. What am I supposed to do? Some people went home that live local, and they never came back. Uh, some came back for the for the Mustang Stampede. I just went back to the hotel. I had to walk back because for three blocks around... Oh, I forgot the best part. For three blocks around the whole uh, Cobo Hall, whatever it's called now, you couldn't, go, you couldn't drive. So we had to walk back to the hotel because you weren't allowed to get any sort of cab or anything. God forbid someone was disabled or handicapped or needed assistance uh, because you would have had to walk anyhow. But the best part is they show up with 30-plus SUVs all gas-powered, huh. they got helicopters, they got all kinds of security, like, obviously, he's the president. I get it. But the security was absolutely ridiculous, and that made people angry as well because, you know, here you are showing up in gasoline-powered cars revving a Corvette, but you're telling me to buy an electric car? Yeah, I got that. 
so the elitist attitude came out pretty strong. People were pretty unhappy about it. So essentially, Brandon was there, and I don't acknowledge him as the president, you know, because we know the whole no, story. I don't either. But, but anyway, so he was there basically to push two things. One, the electric car, and secondly, uh, schmooze up with the unions. Is that pretty much the synopsis? Oh, yeah. It was absolutely. That was it in a nutshell. But People were pretty peeved, and I'm actually looking at a Reddit forum before you called. That is a lot of angry people in r slash cars. If you get a chance to check it out, people were pretty mad. And the people that were vendors that paid to be there, they're angry. The people that were car manufacturers that wanted the press, they're angry. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Wow. All right, so... Uh Let's talk a little bit about the, well, we'll get a little bit later. We'll get into the electric car bashing thing. Tell us about what you got going Uh on this weekend, because uh, the Detroit concourse is taking place this weekend, right? And that's a big, and Haggerty owns them now, right? Yes. And they also own Lemons and Radwood. And so there'll be a Cars and Coffee or Cars and Community event tomorrow morning, which is Saturday, uh, depending on when this airs. And that'll be an all-day ordeal. Uh, But Redwood is very cool. Concourse to Lemons. And then there's going to be a GM ride and drive as well, along with Haggerty and some of their older cars. They're really big on giving back. Haggerty does a fabulous job. They did a fabulous job at Amelia Island this year, and I judged at that as well. Uh, And I was honored to be a judge there, and I'm now judging here at Detroit. I'm very excited. Uh, There's only going to be 100 cars, of which my husband, 65 Shelby, will be one of them. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So where's this taking place now? Apparently, is Detroit getting kind of like downtown Detroit, is that getting kind of rebuilt and remodeled and looking pretty good? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> well, kind of politely. <laughs> um, is it getting better? Let's put it that way. The city originally? No. It's, it's, uh, all that's on the street, is it's so funny because a friend of mine put this so priceless. I said, all that's on the street is media and homeless. And he goes, aren't those the same? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Lately, they haven't been treating media very well anywhere. So that's just. No, that's true. That is true. Yeah, so that unfortunately, that is the situation. Um, but they have cars getting us back and forth to location because uh, we're staying in a nice hotel. But outside, it's not so nice. I mean, there's nothing. There's, I, I don't, you know, for dinner, you're kind of like either you order the room service or you get a car. Gotcha. So in this case, I'll be thing in all right but, um, so uh, yeah. the how many cars are going to be since you're judging at the the detroit concourse how many how many classes mm-hmm. are going to be there what's it going to be like is it going to be like a typical oh, pebble beach yeah. amelia island or like the old saint john's used to be or what is what's the status it's going to be small it's going to be 100 cars total right for concourse on sunday um and they're all they're trying to obviously support detroit and the cars that came out of detroit so there'll be some coach work cars there'll be I'm sure Model T's and Model A's. We have the 65 Shelby. There'll be other cars. Um, but really, the, the, big, the big thing is, is that um, this is small to start. They just bought the Detroit Concord. It was at St. John's. Um, and so we're going to see a ramping up. Because anything that Haggerty does, they do it right, I have to say. They, they start small. They evaluate what's going on. They talk to the judges. They talk to the entrants. They talk to the people, and they take it up to the next level the next year. And you're seeing that with Amelia Island as well, where the first year everyone was a little bit hesitant, and we saw what they did, and this year it was even better. And next year they're bringing in a broad arrow to do the auctions rather than RM, which I find very interesting. So you're going to see a lot of big changes, uh, and that's all good um, because – 
if you're smart and you own an insurance company, we're your customers. They're here. They're Radwood, they're Concord, they're Lemons, they're all this. People that drive you know, cars that are collectible. And so they support it all the way around from financing to now the auction. They own Broadview or Broad Arrow. Um, they own the concourse. Uh, they're picking up different series and groups that uh, support their effort, which is super smart because otherwise somebody else will. So I think you're going to see some massive changes. It is now a publicly held company, and whoever's running it is doing a fantastic job. All right. So St. John's uh, Concourse, which I used to go to, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, was the end of end of July used to be. Okay. And that was formerly Meadowbrook. So. Right. So now Meadowbrook evolved into St. John's, which was typically in the middle of the summer in Detroit or in the Detroit area. And now it is now moved. So St. John's did not take place this year. And this is now what St. John's used to be, the Detroit Concourse, correct? Do I have the timeline right? Right. This is the new Detroit Concourse, yes. Uh, And it's going to be held at the DIA. um, And so this is a lot of the creative arts are down here a lot. Uh, This is going to be really nice. It's I expect it to be very high-end. We are required to wear suit coats in 80-degree weather. That should be fun. Um, but, you know, that's part of the whole thing. You have to dress the part, be the part. You know, dress as We used to tell our kids, dress the way you wish to be treated. So in this case, that is exactly what they're doing, and they're doing a great job. Interesting, interesting. They're very professional. All right, and now next weekend, there's another big event taking place in Detroit, and that's the M1 Concourse uh, Speed uh, uh like a speed week type thing. So are you going to be involved in that at all? No, I will be at a, an event in California next week. And then we'll be testing at Daytona the first week of October for the 24 historics. My husband won the race overall last year. We beat all the prototypes and everything in an old, old, old Aurora. So that was pretty cool. Old the Aurora. Driver, you mean an, an old Bill? Aurora. Really? Aurora raced in Trans Am. A friend of ours, Steve Cohen, raced it, and he still has the car, and it's prepped and ready to go. We won last year. We won the watch, the award, everything. No kidding. We're do it again this year. Yeah. Right. So that's for round two. That's a that's a Daytona in Florida with HSR, correct? That is correct. HSR is now owned by IMSA. Very smart purchase. HSR got bought out by IMSA. Yep. Oh, I did not know that. They're running the show. Yeah. So SVRA and Trans Am are one. HSR has now been absorbed by IMSA. So they're running under some pretty strong uh, controls, and I think that's a good thing. Interesting. So SVRA is still on its own. That's, um, I can't remember the guy's name. SVRA is Trans Am. That's Tony Perella. Yeah. Tony Perella. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now let's talk for a second. Let's jump into SEMA because SEMA's coming up. So what's the scuttlebutt about the major automobile manufacturers not being at SEMA? Apparently they weren't there last year, or they, or they were, or they're not going to be there this year. What's that all about? I was there last year. I, uh, I work with APEX, which is the Automotive Aftermarket Industry Association, and um, so I had to be there. We did not display last year because we heard that it was going to be pretty bad, and it was. I went there on day – I was there for two days. One day I walked SEMA, the next day I walked APEX, and I was gone. And that was probably too much um, because SEMA was so bad. There was every other booth. They spaced the booths apart to fill up the show floor in the central hall, which is the one that's always full. Right. So this year we heard that Ford was done. They're not going to go back. And that's bad because 
Ford has that upper riser. If you've been to the SEMA show, yes. usually they have the whole upper upper riser that overlooks Central Hall. Fantastic place to be. Sadly, they're not there. So GM, boom, they jump in. They want that spot. Smart move. GM grabs Ford's spot because they were on the main floor. Right. Well, then GM thought, well, Honda bailed. And then Hyundai said they're not going to go. And Kia's not going to go. So then GM canceled because of the cost. This is a union setup. It's very expensive to set up there. So they canceled. So now who's left? Well, Chrysler? Mopar is going to have, well, only Mopar. They're going to bring Mopar aftermarket parts because that is their aftermarket parts setup. And you'll see Toyota with a very small contingency. And that's it. So all the cars you see out outside, some will be brought in. Usually they're out on the sidewalk. Uh, many of them will remain outside. I'm sure there'll be plenty of outside presentations and things going on, but there'll be no other manufacturers. And that will hurt bringing in consumers, although they're not supposed to be there anyhow. I'm hoping we're going to be there anyhow, set up a classic tube in Central Hall and restoration. My guess is we're going to see a lot of buyers on Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's going to get really quiet the rest of the week. And then on Friday, they'll do that uh, big consumer event, which will be outside in the parking lot, uh, outside of West Hall. That'll be huge. But I plan to be long gone because I'll be racing for the Daytona 24. So, Wow. So we'll be busy. Yeah, I, got, I have a crazy schedule all the way to the end of the year, but that's okay. It could be worse. So from a journalist standpoint, what's 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 happening with SEMA? Um, it's disappointing to me that the car manufacturers aren't there because that's what brings the attention. Yeah. That's what brings executives. That's what brings n- news that we can use. Uh, otherwise, we're sort of down to, like, here are some cool cars that people built, and here are some parts vendors, and that's it. So I think there's going to be a, a big change. Wow. And it's kind of disappointing because it, really for us, it's about going there and seeing people and connecting with manufacturers and all that. None of that's going to happen. So sadly, that it is what it is. Well, you know, what's interesting is, and, and I said this once because I was just had a little brief interview with somebody at SEMA many years ago. And I said, well, you know, SEMA is kind of like, like many of the major events. It's like a family reunion. Those of us that go on a regular basis, you know, you know, we, we might run into each other at other major events, but that's the whole idea. Was, 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 there's this camaraderie, there's this understanding, there's this passion for the industry, and there's this. it's like a family reunion. And if they start alienating people, you know, because of corporatizing, if you will, or mm-hmm. uh, 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 modern, I mean, you know, going after, diluting the, messing with the market, so to speak, um, right. right. That's going to kind of, which is where I have a little bit of an issue with, with, with Haggerty because Haggerty is really kind of corporatizing a lot of this stuff. And I get it. You know, they're going after their market and they're basically cultivating, you know, the industry, which is good. And then their names out there, they have a brand and well, Hey, we're in the classic car business. We're in the, it doesn't matter what you drive. Um, but come see Haggerty for your insurance, you know, and I get that. So they're basically, you know, right. grooming these kids and, but they are the biggest, um, they're the biggest engine that is supporting the whole industry. Well, that's from the collector car side. SEMA did basically the same thing from the aftermarket side. And if right. they're stepping on their foot, 
a little bit. I mean, you know, SEMA, I've been going there for years and years and years just like you have, and I, I really truly look forward to it. But now when I see all what's going on, I'm like, uh, you know, well, you're taking the fun out of it a little bit, you know? Well, I'm trying to remember when manufacturers first showed up there. They weren't always there, right? Well, I've been going since the early 2000s, and they've always been there. And I think in the late 90s right. they got there. And the, and like you said, Ford had the, the best spot in the house. GM was down central. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mopar was actually in uh, the, the south building, you know. Um, well, the south building, they keep putting this false wall up like last year. Yeah. Half of the floor was not being used. So where the escalators are, they put up a false wall making it look like you were at the end of the building. Yeah. But you really weren't. Oh, yeah, no. It was, it was very interesting. Yeah. Wow. All right, so let's talk. It's time to bash electric cars, and uh, this is always my favorite subject because— I'm not anti-EV. I'm just pro-truth. There's a difference. Okay, so I want you to, you know, talk a little bit about this. And, you know, you touched on Ford, and a lot of the manufacturers—see, the problem is is that fundamentally the infrastructure is not there, and I know you've highlighted that before. And they keep talking about—now, I I will grant you that in the last five years— since this has been a big issue, battery technology, from what I understand, is progressing. The problem is to support this and the cost. And like you said, the I mean, I went over the Ford the other day and I looked at the new Mach E, uh, and I was I would never buy one, but Texas no, is a bad car. No, 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 I, electric car. Right, I just went to look at one, and the base model was like low fifties, and the nice one was in the high 60s, almost $70,000. So when you look mm-hmm. at the average cost of a car nowadays, which is forty mid-40s, and then you look at the average cost of an electric car, which is in the mid-60s or more, 70s, and 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 and, and your average payment is going to be close to $1,000 a month, you know, $800 to $1,000 a month, that's a lot of money. Now, the guy that's got a really great job and he's got, you know, a lot of prospects down the road and he, and he buys in all this stuff, that might work for him. Uh, the other guys that are still internal combustion engine guys like us, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're kind of like all over the board. But what about the average guy out there? He's not going to be able to make that transition. And if they keep, like California, what's this now? They said by 2035, they're not going to have, I mean, the internal combustion engine is going to be totally outlawed? I don't know. No, understand. it's never going to happen. I'm telling you it's not going to happen. You can talk to your blue in the face. Here's the first thing, and I'm looking at an article right now that someone just sent me that we don't have enough lithium to supply what, what the people want. There's not enough lithium. So let me see if I can find this exact article. It's in Yahoo. You can look it up. We don't have enough lithium, end quote, lithium globally to meet EV targets, mining CEO says. Yes. So although you can say you want all this stuff, there is no way this is going to happen. And... Um, and this, you know, there's only so much supplies. These are called rare earth minerals for a reason, because there's not enough cobalt, there's not enough cadmium, mercury, or lithium. And the last one, that the rarest of the rare, which is a magnetic material, which is required in order for batteries to work, is called neodymium. So if you've got five rare earth minerals, and there's a limited supply, unlike oil, which I've done videos on all of this. You can find it on my YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. Every Friday, I put up something to help people so they can know what the heck's going on. Here's the fact. There's not enough rare earth minerals. All the mines are owned by China. Why are we beholden to China when we have over 400 years of oil, as we know right now? And that does not include fracking. If you add in fracking, whether you like it or not, 
we have an unlimited supply because there's still dinosaurs down there creating more oil and all <laughs> kinds of things that have been turned up in the earth. So we have an un- the earth is constantly replenishing oil. I'm not saying it's the only choice. We're also seeing something called synthetic gasoline, uh, which is really cool stuff. Now, synthetic gasoline is something different. Uh, it is actually made of chemicals. Again, we're back to using chemicals. But um, And the thing is, what comes out the tailpipe is nothing. You can put it in your 1994 Camry and not worry about polluting. However, this is already being tested. It was developed by Porsche, then went to uh, Exxon and Chevron. They're producing it, trying it in Chile, Australia, and the U.S. Once it comes to be, it's going to be really good. Uh, also keep in mind that they're working with algae. The American algae fuel uh, could be a new resource. There's unlimited supply, and algae keeps producing in itself. Uh, and there's a couple companies working on algae biofuels as we speak. Uh, there is quite a bit more. Actually, I'm working on another product about sustainable fuels right now. So there's a lot of other options rather than, uh, you know, what they're all trying to push right now, which is, you know, oh, you need to go electric. Electric is a dumb idea because solar panels and wind can only produce a maximum of 11% of our en- energy needs. So why are we doing this? Because someone's getting their palm greased. <laughs> this is all politics. Don't let anyone kid you. Well, and to your point, and what people don't realize is that, you know, you can say what you want about oil. And I will tell you this, that back in the 80s, when I went with uh, my friends at Fastlane Travel, we took a trip to, I went with to them to the Porsche factory over in Germany. And we had a bunch mm-hmm. of guys on our trip that were from Oklahoma and Texas. And they were oil guys. Yep. And they told me back then, this is in 1980, he says, Robert, oil is, not, is a, a is a renewable resource. The earth is constantly expanding, contracting. It's not dead dinosaurs. It's just decomposing and it's doing its little thing. And he says, mm-hmm. we have more drilled, tapped, capped wells to last us forever. Okay. So we will never use all the oil. Yep. The reason we're going after Correct. the stuff that's in Saudi is because that's what they call sweet crude. It comes out of the ground real easy, you know, where it's a little bit more of a process. But we've already got the, you know, until we get a, uh, a an economical, a more economical way of getting the oil out of the ground, we have it. It's not a problem. Now, one of the other things that you mentioned too is you're talking about, about power obviously oh yeah well the thing about the the lithium and the cobalt and all the other stuff and the cadmium that requires mining strip mining tearing up the earth mm-hmm. you know but nobody talks about that where's the eco- damaging the, the environment that can, and killing people absolutely so the other thing that you uh touched on as far as the the Porsche and the synthetic fuels, quite frankly, that actually goes back to World War II when they were experimenting with it and they actually had cars that could actually run on both the same engine just by changing the injection, the, uh, the uh, carburation or whatever. They could run on fuel, they could run on diesel, they could run on uh, liquid gas, LG, mm-hmm. and also they were experimenting back then with hydrogen because they were using an aircraft. So hydrogen is another one. So the thing is, is that the all these other forms of propulsion, and I had Mike Hall on my show a while back, and he's the uh, top dog with Canassi Racing, and we were talking about that, mm-hmm. you know, alternate fuels and stuff. And he says, yeah, for some reason, that stuff's not getting any publicity and not getting any traction, and that is an alternative. And it's a viable alternative, yep. and that's something we can do, like, tomorrow, so to speak. Where yep. and, and the other problem you have with EVs is the infrastructure is not in place and won't be in place 
to support all these vehicles if they're all plugged in. Right. I mean, look at California right now. That supposedly, uh, well, you got to we, we're having rolling blackouts. We got this, we got that, and of course they're the huge, yep. the largest proponent of electric vehicles. So just like you said, it's politics as usual, and yep. you know, I mean. And then look at all the. Uh, I wanted to get into the uh, autonomous cars and technology. You know, oh, forget autonomy. You're never going to see that. You're you're only at level two of level five. Well, level, there's only one brand that's cleared level three, and that's Mercedes. And while they're all talking about, oh, no steering wheel, no pedals, you just sit in the car. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to love it. People are not in for that. Weather is a factor. Hacking is a factor. There's still no government regulations on it. The insurance companies don't want to have anything to do with it. And the results of that is it will probably take 50 years before you see it. Because remember when we were kids, they were talking about Jetson cars. Oh, yeah. Flying cars. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, where are they? Well, they're not here. Of they're course. nowhere to be found. That's right. Well, now, wait a Sounds minute. Sounds good on the surface. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the the failures that electric cars are having right now, the issues and now they're talking about, then they were talking about trucks, and there's some issues there. But what about aircraft? Have you looked into that? Oh, Do you have no a. No way. There is no way I'm getting into an electric airplane. Have a nice day. There's no way. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Okay, we're up. So there is an electric airplane that apparently some group purchased. You can only hold up to 19 people, and it can only go 120 miles. What? So what happens after that? Oh, well. Well, this is where the whole thing's coming. Is it's it's the it's it's all about range. I mean, I get the. In fact, I don't know if you were there, but a few years back at the um, at, at Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, Haggerty always has their like the little seminar there at the uh, at the car dealership where you know Penske's mm -hmm. dealership there. And Bob Lutz was a guest speaker one time. And, oh yeah, I've heard him before. He's a character. Oh yeah, and and he's been on our show a bunch of times, and he's you know he's he's a huge proponent of electric cars, the industry. You know his his baby was that little goofy thing they had back in the in the nineties, okay, at General Motors, and but he was going on talking about how the big cities, and I'll just say New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit, places like that, Miami, even maybe in Atlanta, um, talking about how they're working on these uh, electric um, pods, if you will, and they're going to be mm -hmm. outlawing motorized, internal combustion motorized vehicles in the cities. And basically, if you live in the city, this is all you're going to have access to. And if you're yep. outside of the city, you're going to have to I've come. I've heard these stories before. Well, the, the, we've all heard them. Yeah. We've all heard it. It's never going to happen. So you're going to tell, let's just use New York City. I used to live there. You're going to tell people in New York City that you have to take mass transit. That would mean buses or subways or maybe cabs or car services, right? Mm -hmm. Or walking or bicycles. Have you ever been to New York City? Do you realize how crazy it is? <laughs> You're going to try to get on the subway at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It is literally a tuna can of people getting into each car. And right now, it's so dangerous. That when I go to the city, even I don't get into the subway. Not interested. There's no way. It, I mean, it's, there's homeless people sleeping on there, and the last thing you want to do is crowd around them because they get they get anxious. They you don't know what they're going to do. So the last thing you want to be is within their arms reach, shall we say? So I don't go down to the subway. I usually walk or take a cab or Uber or whatever. 
but the subway is off limits to me. The buses are really filthy. What are they doing? What and you're telling me there's no cars? And my favorite line is nobody in New York City has cars. That's a line of poppycock. And I can tell you that for a fact. My daughter lived in New York City. She had a car. Her uh, friend had a car who lived with her. I mean, the guy who lived, who was the super in my building's got a vehicle. A lot of people have vehicles. Uh, they may all park them out on the street or they park them in parking lots in New Jersey, but a lot of people have cars. And some people have to drive to work, especially if you're doing some sort of delivery service. Again, this is so short-sighted as usual. Typical government trying to come up with ideas, trying to tell you it's a better idea, and it's not. Because remember, those people that you elected to office, they don't drive to work. Most of them don't, especially like senators and House of Representatives. They have car services. They have security. Someone pays for the car for the car insurance, the gasoline, the car payment, everything. It's all paid by you, the taxpayer. So it's easy to say, I don't have a problem with cars. You're taking me everywhere I need to go. So doesn't bother me. Yeah, but it bothers the people that elected you. So remember that elections have consequences. Well, now that brings up the World Economic Forum. and uh, You've been and, watching my video. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, at Mr. Schwab. So why don't you go ahead yeah. and elaborate on the 4% that you use your car in your lifetime? Oh, or what? this is my favorite. Okay. So the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, you know, the guys that go to Davos and they all hobnob, they're not elected. They're just a bunch of super wealthy people with extremely old money. And a lot of them got it by learning how to play the game. Some of it's just old money. But the fact is, Klaus Schwab has decided that we shouldn't have cars because he says the world should not have cars because 4% in the UK don't only, the only time they use their cars is 4% of the time. So let me just apply this to other things. So if I only sleep in my bed eight hours a day, there's 16 hours it's not being used. Are you going to rent that out? <laughs> you know, what, what, that's ridiculous. Should I not have a bed because I'm only using it? So if I'm only using my car 4% of the time, then I'm not polluting as much as they claim we are. Well, yes, that's true. So this is this is all crazy land. They're, they're so disconnected from reality. It's, it's really unbelievably disappointing. You know what's sad, though, is that how much of this nonsense, this political garbage, gets all this yeah. traction... But the, but nobody seems to pay attention to the reality, and I don't understand why it's not getting out there. I don't know why. I mean, the, the press certainly is they're they're complicit. The press is complicit. They're supporting whatever the people in office say, whatever it is. It doesn't make a difference if they say today the moon is made of cheese. They'll they'll support that till the cows come home until that narrative changes and the moon is now chartreuse. That is the new color of the moon. Everybody shifts gears. There is no journalism done today on the mainstream media at all. It's just really disappointing. There are some exceptions, but for the most part, no. All right. To change the subject just for a second here, since you do a lot of testing and uh, driving and riding and uh, with cars, the new car, where do you, of, of all the cars, give us a... Uh, for the average guy out there, the average guy that that just you know has a, an average budget, what is the best bang for the buck that a guy with a family of four could buy right now on the market? Hmm. Well, if you're buying it and you're keeping it, you're not leasing it. You're done after. You're going to keep it, drive it, and drive it. 
I really like the Hyundai and Kia product lineup. They've done a great job. They've done a lot of changes. Uh, if you want something more luxury, the Genesis lineup is super impressive. Now, if you're talking about, no, I, I want something that I'm going to lease it. I'm going to get rid of it. You would never go wrong with Toyota on Honda products. They're fantastic. Uh, if you're looking at a pickup truck, personally, I think the Ford trucks are the best, but that's my opinion. I would say Ram is second and Chevy is third. None of them are bad. None of them are bad. Uh, Toyota Tundra, the Nissan Titan, they're good trucks. I mean, really, there's no bad trucks on the market today. And there's probably no bad cars either. There's a few brands that are coming in from China that are horrid, but that's because of the way they're built. But for the most part, uh, the key thing is, if you're buying a new car, do your homework, go drive it, always test drive it, and don't pay over retail. And never, ever be afraid to walk away, whether it's new or used. Do you feel that the cars are getting too um, technically sophisticated? Uh, I think most people don't use what sophistication there is. That's the biggest thing. Um, like they'll say, oh, it's got, you know, active cruise control and self-parallel and perpendicular parking. And like, oh, this is great. And you show your buddy once and you never use it again. Sports had it on their vehicles for a long, long time. And uh, a lot of the German brands have it as well. They make great product too. I mean, like I said, there's nothing really horrible out there on the market. Uh, not anymore. I think they've all stepped up their game. But I think the biggest thing that people need to realize is you've got to find what works for you as far as your family and your lifestyle. Then, before you make a decision, you're torn between two or three cars, call your insurance agent, find out what your payment's going to be because that could be the difference. Maybe you've got a car payment, but you had that insurance payment. It has to do with what's called residual or resale value or if it gets totaled, you've got to get those values. Once you've got that, you can make an intelligent decision. There are no incentives. There are no finance deals. So do not ever, ever pay over sticker. And if you want something and you can't find it, there are dealers in Rochester, New York, Buffalo, New York, and other places around the country that will sell to you at sticker. They don't care where you live. And it can be serviced at whatever dealer you prefer. And they can't stop you. The used car market versus new car market. If I'm going to go out and buy a car, my bang for the buck, value, buy a one-year-old car, still under warranty, or go out there and buy the new car? Right now, the new cars are cheaper, believe it or not. Uh, used cars are up about 40%. That will change. I just posted something called, is the car bubble about to burst? We're all about to get screwed. So I suggest you listen to that because the used car market's a great time to sell, horrible time to buy. However, if you're looking at new cars and you can find a dealer who'll sell to you a sticker, order what you want and be very, very patient. Wow. Well, Lauren, I know you got to get going here, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If people want to find out more about you and follow The Car Coach, how do they go about doing it? Uh, just go into Car Coach Reports on YouTube or any form of social media. You can find me at Lauren Fix. That's F-I-X, real easy to find. Um, I do reply. If you've got questions, you can reach me through my website, which is Car Coach Reports. We have content there in English and Spanish, and we also have a podcast called Total Car Score well, we actually just finished covering the Detroit Auto Show with Carl Brower and Javier Mota. Boy, we just say it the way it is. But if you really want to hear it the way it is, <laughs> you'll get a good old chuckle, let me tell you. But we are always putting out great content about what's new, what's coming out, and uh, you'll get the first sneak peek right from us. Super. Well, Laura, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you have some fun uh, tomorrow and the next day at the Detroit Concourse. Thank you. And then, uh, I was, as usual, we'll always have you on in the future here again. And uh, say hi to your hubby. Maybe I will see you at Daytona and watch you guys race. Oh, I that'd need to, be fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. That'd be awesome. I need to get down there. We'll so. look forward to it. 
Okay, listeners, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars this evening. And again, my special guest, Lauren Fix. So, don't forget, every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m., right here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, you can find us, Nostalgic Radio Cars, where you can listen to interviews with the most fascinating and legendary, or legendary and fascinating names in motorsports, music, and we may be branching off into business. So, hopefully, I'll see you at some of the car shows. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love you. Yeah!